On today's Locked On Giants podcast, we'll get some in-depth insight on quarterback Bo Nix from Locked On Ducks host, Spencer McLaughlin. That's coming your way next. You are Locked On Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This episode of the Locked On Giants podcast is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to another edition of the Locked on Giants podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast family, your team every day. My name is Patricia Traina, P-Train credentialed member of the New York Giants media for Locked On and for Giants Country, part of the Fan Nation Network. And I want to send a shout out always to my Blue Crew community members, my everydayers, my newcomers and everybody in between. You are all appreciated and loved by yours truly. Thank you for making us your first listen of the day or if you watch on YouTube, your first watch of the day. And don't forget, if you are watching on YouTube, please subscribe, like and this channel and click that little bell for notifications whenever I have a new video, whether it be a podcast or a short. And on today's show, we're actually going to uh, take a look at some of the quarterbacks in this draft. We're going to get into the deep nitty gritty of these quarterbacks. And what I've done is I've reached out to my colleagues over on the college side, the Locked On College Network to book them to come on the show and talk about the top quarterbacks in this draft. So I'm scheduling those uh, hosts to come on when they have some time. And up first on today's show, we're going to talk to Spencer McLaughlin. He is the host of Locked on Ducks, and he's going to tell us all about Bo Nix, who is one of the quarterbacks, the top quarterbacks in this draft class. So hope you enjoy that. And uh, without any further ado, let's jump right into the interview with Spencer McLaughlin about Bo Nix. All right, everybody, welcome on in to the first segment of the Lothon Giants podcast. And joining me now is Spencer McLaughlin. He is the host of Lothon Ducks, and he's here to tell us a little bit about Bo Nix, one of the quarterbacks in the draft. Spencer, always good to see you. Thank you for joining me. Yeah, great to be back. I think last time I was on, we were talking Jordan Riley, and then the time before was Kayvon Thibodeau. And hey, you never know. I, I don't know how the Giants are feeling about Daniel Jones after that big giant contract. I know how I feel about it, and I, I think Bo Nix could be an option at the very least as that contract plays itself out. But who am I? I'm just a lowly college host, of course. <laughs> You're important. You're just as important as I am and the other NFL <laughs> host. So. Anyway, Spencer, let's find out a little bit more about Bo Nix. You know, just give us an overview. You know, we've seen some of the scouting reports, but you see him obviously regularly. You probably have spoken with him. What can you tell us about him as a player? Yeah, well, I mean, as a guy, he's fantastic. Just so so kind and humble and gracious. But don't let that fool you into thinking he's not a fiery competitor because he, he most definitely is. And 
What impressed me the most about him this past season as he played his way into a Heisman finalist campaign, had Oregon won that Pac-12 championship game, he probably would have won the Heisman trophy, is how consistent he was. I, I mean, week in, week out, quarter in, quarter out, play to play, Bo Nix was always the same quarterback for Oregon over the last two seasons. And that wasn't the case at Auburn. You know, when he was at Auburn, he had a completely different reputation, which was earned and warranted. And that was one of Bo Picks and making spectacular plays, but not always bringing the consistency and not completing a lot of passes. But it turns out when he went to Oregon and had an actual support system around him and a good team and a good head coach and two good offensive coordinators, he was able to thrive and they got the most out of him. And I think that he you know, really fulfilled the potential he had coming out of high school. And I think getting away from Auburn and the legacy recruit that he was there was also helpful for him. But he just became this guy who, who was so adept at reading defenses, who was so good at delivering the ball where it needed to be, when it needed to be there. He just had the most accurate season in the history of college football. He beat Mac Jones by a little more. I like Bo Nix a lot more than Mac Jones, who who was a first-round pick. I always thought that was a little bit of a reach, and I think I've proven to be right along those lines. But, you know, Bo Nix could be a first-round pick. I I don't know that he's necessarily a home run at at, at that sort of spot. I definitely don't see him as a top-10 pick. I think he's someone who could definitely fall to the second round. I don't think he goes past the second round. I think his college career has, has just proven to be too productive over the last couple of years. But you know, as a player, his accuracy, his consistency, his poise, and then he's got a, he's got a really good arm, and he's got great mobility as well, and good size. So you know, he he checks a lot of boxes. But I think the biggest thing that you can expect from him is he's going to be the same guy if you give him the right support system, and that's a consistently accurate and very you know veteran quarterback. Let's take a step back here for those who aren't familiar with the type of offense, Oregon runs, what do they ask of their quarterbacks? Do they do a lot of RPOs, zone reads, or are they purely pocket passers? What do they typically do there? Well, over the last couple of seasons, there were two different offensive coordinators, a lot of similarities between the two schemes, to be sure. I, I think that Kenny Dillingham in 2022 had a little bit more quarterback run, typical spread components to his offense, whereas Will Stein is much more RPO based, and they ran a lot of RPOs uh, this past year. And Bo Nix, you know, is very comfortable and familiar with making all those different sorts of reads. And I know those, you know, can be used in the NFL, but they're not quite as prevalent because of the one versus three yard rule, which I actually wish they would put into college football, just as a quick side note, because I think it's, you, you get too much leeway on an RPO for a lineman to be able to go three yards down the field and you still throw a pass. I, I think it's too much but that's just me. So I, I think for Bo Nix, he, he's going to be very familiar in any sort of RPO situation, whether that's a, a bubble screen, routes developing down the field, like that little you know bubble post concept that the Dolphins ran all season long with, with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle and whatnot. He could do all that sort of stuff. But you know, the knock on him this past year was he didn't push it down the field enough. Now, when he did throw the ball down the field, he was very good. He, he was very effective. You can't complete a high percentage of passes and lead one of the five most productive offenses in all of college football without pushing it down the field. That said, one thing that, you know, some may see as as a knock on him, I, I see as a strength, especially the more I watch NFL quarterback play, he is willing to just take whatever the defense gives him. He, he is... You know, I, I, I compare him to Derek Carr a little bit. I think he's got more mobility and a better arm, at least at this point in Carr's career. 
I think that for Bo Nix, the offense he ran in college was very RPO heavy, but a lot of times, you know, they would involve quick hitters to receivers, checking the ball down to a running back and letting him make a play. And he was always willing to take those sorts of options. But when there was an opportunity to push the ball down the field, he's got plenty of arm strength. He can throw on the move. And I think that's perhaps his greatest attribute. You can move the pocket with this guy and he is deadly accurate. If you want to get a good sense of this, go watch highlights just on YouTube of the Oregon State game from this past year. Bo Nix has a couple of throws to the sideline that are just disgustingly accurate. And one of them is uh, a fake toss sprint out concept where he fakes the toss left. He turns around and rolls back to the right. He's got pressure in his face. He has to retreat back because of the defenders who are left unblocked, which is part of the, the, the concept in the scheme. They have to freeze on the toss and then he's open on the naked boot. He throws the ball about 25 yards down the field, rolling to his right on a rope hitting his receiver in stride as he's sliding to the ground on the sideline, and it looks so easy. And he can make those sorts of special and accurate throws. And I think that if he is put into a situation where he can make plays on the move, and that's often where his most explosive plays came from, he can be really successful in the NFL. I was going to ask you, how well does he improvise when things break down around him? Oh, really well. I mean, going back to his time at Auburn, you know, I think there's a narrative in the NFL that I largely agree with that quarterbacks who have it easy in college at places like Alabama or Ohio State are not always used to what reality is in the NFL, which is you're going to get hit, it's going to be hard, and you're going to a bad football team most of the time. I think Trevor Lawrence had that adjustment with the Jags. You know, he went from Clemson where he was dominating the ACC, going to national championship games, to, oh, hey, this team is drafting first overall for a reason. And I think that at Auburn, he got that experience, you know, understanding how to keep plays alive. Every now and then, though, is this got much, much better at Oregon to where he was uh, one of the most uh, effective quarterbacks in touchdown to interception ratio in the entire country. He's someone who, you know, will try to make a play that isn't always there. But I think that got coached out of him very well whilst at Oregon. But he didn't lose his ability to improvise. If he has a free rusher, he's not going to give up on the play. He's going to find a way to make somebody miss in the pocket. He's going to get outside and he's going to push the ball down the field or at least be able to pick up positive yards with his legs. So I think the mobility and improvisation are absolute plus characteristics for him. And playing from the pocket is something he, he's capable enough, more than capable enough at to be successful in the NFL. Hey, Giant fans, LinkedIn Jobs knows that your small business's success all depends on the teams you surround yourself with. That's why LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. It's so easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. So don't spend time sorting through endless resumes and dead-end leads in your search for the right candidates for your business. Put LinkedIn Jobs to work for you today for free by visiting linkedin.com slash NFL. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, Giant fans. So there are some days that I get so incredibly busy that I just don't have the time to cook or run out to a local eatery to pick up takeout. Thanks to DoorDash, I don't have to. 
DoorDash brings me everything I want, whether it's from a local eatery or a national chain. I've even used DoorDash to get incidentals delivered from pharmacies and local convenience stores. And when I'm really in a pinch, groceries. DoorDash is fast, easy, and convenient. Just download their app, find the establishment from where you want to order, and select from the menu options. You'll get what you ordered or they'll make it right. And right now, new customers can get 50% off up to a $10 value on their first order of $15 or more when they download the app and enter the promo code LOCKED23. Give DoorDash a try today and see just how easy it is to get what you want when you want it. That promo code again for 50% off up to $10 on any order of $15 or more is LOCKED23. Offer subject to change, terms apply. The Giants, of course, you know, if, if they were to take Bo Nix, they have to fix their offensive line. I think everybody who follows the Giants can agree on that. The offensive line is never going to be perfect. So that being said, you know, my feeling is, is that the quarterback needs to process quickly. How quickly do you see Bo Nix, you know, processing, uh, especially, you know, behind a line that maybe isn't going to be perfect every time? I think he knew where to go with the football before his offensive coordinator sometimes. I mean, there there were so many plays this year where, you know, some quarterbacks will, and you see this a lot with young quarterbacks, they'll lock onto a receiver before the play and whether or not it's there, they'll try, they'll try and force it, right? Classic stare down, typical young quarterback mistake, games moving too quickly. Bo Nix did something this past year that I've never seen an Oregon quarterback do. And Duck fans can tell you, we've had a lot of good quarterbacks come through the program, right? Justin Herbert was very good, though he's certainly been better in the NFL. Marcus Mariota, go back to Vernon Adams, even Darren Thomas. It's been a really good line of quarterbacks. And Bo Nix just had one of the two best seasons in the history of of Oregon football. And one of the reasons I think he did that is his ability to read a defense. And certainly he'll get more complex looks and better disguises from NFL defenses. But all season long, he knew exactly where to go with the football because I think he worked very well with Oregon's offensive coordinator, Will Stein, and they had well-designed, well-schemed, and well-executed plays. But he knew where he was going with the football, and he knew he had to get it out quickly sometimes, but he was not putting the ball in jeopardy because he he was look, he was understanding the play, looking at the defense and saying, this is going to be here as long as I get the ball out on time. And that was just always the case. It was always there. And I think that his ability to sit there and read a defense and understand what that means for the route concepts and where he's going to be able to attack was one of his greatest strengths for each of the last two seasons. But it was particularly on display this year. It's how he completed over 77% of his passes. Where can he get better? Throw him from the pocket deep down the field. I, I think that's something that he's capable of doing, but I, I think he has a tendency sometimes to lean on those more short check down passes. And, and again, the Derek Carr comparison is the most apt one that, that, that I can come up with. Someone could maybe find another one, but sometimes the criticism of Derek Carr is, you know, he, he comes off of a deep shot too quickly in order to take a check down. And there were a lot of times where, you know, defense was taking everything away deep and he needed to take what was underneath. There were other times where he didn't always give the play a chance to develop 
because the check down was there. So I think that's the biggest element that can be coached out of him is learn or, or not coached out of him, but improved by, by coaching in the NFL or learning and understanding an offense and the philosophy is when, when you have a play design and it's supposed to, you know, you've got an opportunity to take a shot here. There, the, another great example, not that it was necessarily terrible, uh, but again, in the, in the, in the Oregon state game, there was a, Third and five, third quarter maybe, and it's a five receiver set. And he reads man coverage, and he's got Tez Johnson, his slot receiver, who's really good, one on one with a linebacker. And he ends up, you know, he's running an option route, and he beats him to the inside. Bonex puts it on him, delivers it for a first down. Well, he also had one on one with a running back on a linebacker on the outside, who, if you watch the play, beats him for what should have been an easy float over the top. It was cover one. The safety had no chance of getting over there in time, and it would have been an easy touchdown. Oregon ended up having to settle for a field goal try. So those are the sorts of instances where if you really break down his game, you can look at and see, okay, he's coming off of a deep shot too much sometimes, and he's taking the underneath stuff too often sometimes. I think a willingness to not just throw the ball down the field or rely on your arm and trust your teammates to make a play is a good thing. But I do think he can carry that too far sometimes. And if you design a shot play, he might take one look and, you know, if he doesn't, if he doesn't think that it's 100%, I've got a great chance to complete this pass, then he's going to check it down. I think there were a couple times. I remember there was a play in the USC game as well, where he came on an underneath route again, completed pass forward yardage, but if you watch the play develop, he would have had time to throw, and there was a deep shot that was opening up, but he took the underneath instead. So I think you know it, it's not about his arm talent or accuracy going down the field. It's about his willingness to stand in the pocket, give a chance of play to develop, and maybe take a few more of those 50-50 shots. What about his intangibles and his readiness for the NFL? Because, you know, sometimes you get guys who feel that they're ready, they declare for the draft, or they're eligible, you know, they, they enter the draft, whatever. And they're really not ready. So what can you tell us about the intangibles and his readiness? Well, he's the most experienced starting quarterback in the history of college football. So there aren't a lot of things about the game that he has to learn. You know, I think for learning how to read and dissect NFL defenses and coverages and disguises and everything like that is the only real adjustment that's there. But in terms of, you know, what it's like to stand in the pocket, take a hit, you know, shake off uh, an incompletion or a bad throw, continue along in a drive or, you know, have a clutch factor to it. All that is there. It's all there. And, you know, one reason Oregon fans were so lucky to have him the last two years, he just always felt in control. Every, Every single time he was behind or under center, you felt like he knew where he wanted to go with the football and where the ball should be going. And I think that that's one of the biggest things he brings to the NFL is, He's not a raw prospect. I don't think he has a ton more growth as a quarterback. I think he is much further along because of his time in college. And certainly everyone can become a better version of himself in the NFL. Justin Herbert is a great example of that. But Bo Nix, you know, what you saw from him in college, I think that's what he looks like at his best in the NFL. And, you know, he certainly needs a good support system around him. We saw that and, you know, what he did at Auburn versus what he did at Oregon. But it turns out most quarterbacks need a good support system around them or they aren't going to do very well. So I I think for Bo Nix, you know, his ability to just come in and know football, have experience, make throws, 
And, and make no mistake about it, he can make a lot of high-level NFL throws. He puts plenty of those on film. I, I think learning to make more of them is where he can continue to grow. Hey, Giant fans. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types are what makes Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. But did you also know that Prize Picks offers a reboot policy so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured? That's right. Now you don't have to worry if your football and basketball players exit the game early only to return later on because that player is rebooted. That makes Prize Picks the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy. Prize Picks gives you the chance to pick combo projections across football and basketball from the specials league that was created specifically for combo projections featuring two or more players from different sports or leagues. Prize Picks is just so easy to play. Just pick two or more players, predict their stats, and sit back and see how they perform. It all takes less than 60 seconds to make an entry. So what are you waiting for? Go to pricepicks.com slash NFL and use the promo code LOCKEDONNFL for a first deposit match up to $100. That's pricepicks.com slash NFL, And that promo code is NFL for your first deposit match up to $100. Price Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. When he gets to the next level, the NFL level, is he day one ready or what do you feel he still needs to show coaches at the NFL level before they feel confident enough to put him on the field? I think that depends on the offensive scheme that he that he's going to, the system that is being run because some are more complicated than others and it doesn't suit somebody well to, you know, step in and uh, try to try to take it all right away. It can be like trying to drink out of a fire hose. And, you know, Bo Nix is certainly a very knowledgeable guy. He's someone who was in control at the line of scrimmage for the Ducks all, all season long. Uh, there are more than a few examples of that. The coaching staff at Oregon will, will tell you that openly about, you know, the number of times they were in a certain play or in a certain protection and Bo checked them out of it. And then it ended up working out. Like he's certainly comfortable with, with, with that. Now that was in an offensive system and scheme, of course, that he knew exceptionally well and probably less complex defenses at, at the college level than what you're going to see in, in the league. So I, I think it really does depend. You know, he's not someone who hasn't played a lot of football, so he can come in and start for you week one. But if you have, you know, a, a system that you need to be run and executed in a very specific way rather than just going and playing quarterback, like the, like the Bills, for instance, I don't think the Bills – are the most complex offensive system. I feel like their offense is Josh Allen, do everything, please. Right? Like, I don't, I don't think that's quite as complex as, say, the 49ers, where you have complicated run schemes and you have just all, all sorts of scheming and design and elements and, and whatnot that, you know, can take some time to pick up on. And I, I, I think that's kind of where it comes down to. But certainly, if you feel like if he were to go to the Raiders, if they were to draft him, yeah, I think he could start day one. I, I think he's better than Aiden O'Connell, who certainly did uh, some really good things for, for the Raiders. I think he's got better physical traits, and he'll be a higher draft pick for that reason. So, yeah, if, if, if he's going to a place that you know doesn't require an advanced level or time of, of development for you know what he needs to do at the quarterback position compared to some other teams, then, yeah, he can come in and start on, on the first day. What about for the Giants, though, based on what you know about the Giants offense? Could he be a day one starter or would he need time to adjust? 
I, I think he could come in and push Daniel Jones to be the starting quarterback. I, I think that the, the money that they've committed to Jones makes you think, okay, this is going to be our starting quarterback, whether we like it or not. I am not a big Daniel Jones fan, and I do not understand the contract at all. But I think Bo Nix could actually be an interesting fit in New York for that very reason, because if you're Daniel Jones, or not, not if you're Daniel Jones, but if you're looking at Daniel Jones, what do you really need from him right now? Well, you need him to play at his best. Well, what's going to motivate him to play at his best? What's going to set a fire under his rear end to kick him into high gear and, and make him put in you know, all the work that he needs to do and then show up on Sundays and perform at a high level week in, week out, lest his job be in jeopardy? It'd be a draft pick who everyone will start chirping about to say, well, hey, that, that, that guy could start. And like I said, Bo Nix is not a project. He's, he's someone who's pretty ready to be what he can be in the NFL. He doesn't have that much more upward growth in in his game as a quarterback because he's already at such an advanced level. And if he's the backup to Daniel Jones, I mean, if they come out week one and he goes for 220, one touchdown and two picks, how how many different shows like this one or radio shows elsewhere are going to be asking uh, Brian Dable in in the press conference, hey, what about Bo Nix? I mean, I think that would start very quickly. Whereas a guy like, Josh Allen coming out of college or Trey Lance or, you know, the guys who are just not quite as prepared and are more are, are more projects or Lamar Jackson, even when he came out of college, those guys are not going to force the issue as much. Bo Nix is someone that can really force the issue there. If you had to take a guess, and I know it's early, we've still got to go through the combine and senior bowls going on right now, the Shrine Games going on right now. Where do you project Bo Nix to go in this draft? I'd say late first, early second. I would be surprised if he falls past the middle of the second round. I'll say the 17th pick of the second round. I, I can't see him going past there. I need to double check the draft order to get a specific number there. But just kind of overall sense, I do not see him as a third round quarterback. You know, if 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 Mac Jones and Kenny Pickett are first round picks, Bo Nix certainly can be. Now, neither of those in my view, warranted a first-round pick. They still received one. And I think that for Bo Nix, the production that he's put on the field, the way he played, particularly this past season, the growth he showed, the coachability that he's shown, that's another thing coaches rave about with him, just a super coachable guy, wants to get better, wants to be coached, wants to allow the staff to make him the best version of himself as a football player. And I think this past year's staff, Dan Lanning and Will Stein and the rest of the offensive staff did a great job of doing just that. I don't see somebody like that falling past really really early to maybe mid-second round, but I think that's the back end. I, I think he's probably a mid-to-late first-round pick. And that can, of course, depend on you know what goes down on draft day and who trades and who wants this, that, and the other thing. But if Kenny Pickett, Mac Jones, and Jordan Love can all be first-round picks, Bo Nix absolutely can be. So I'll, I'll say he gets picked somewhere between 18 and 23. That'd be my guess. Okay. Now, that being said, right now, everybody's kind of saying that Caleb Williams, Drake May, Jaden Daniels, those are the big three. How does Bo Nix stack up against those guys as far as, you know, the intangibles? I'd have Caleb Williams, if I were putting together a quarterback draft board, and I watch a lot of college football, uh, I would have Caleb Williams number one. I, I'm a huge Drake May fan. I I love I really like Caleb Williams, too. I'm a huge Drake May fan. I think that guy can be awesome in the NFL. 
at that point, I would take both Michael Penix and Bo Nix in that order, depending on what depending on what team they're going to, over Jaden Daniels. I would. I, I think Daniels is more of a college quarterback than Nix and Penix, who I both think need the right support system to succeed in the NFL, whereas May and Williams, I, I think both can go and be a C.J. Stroud-type quarterback where it's, hey, we have nothing here. Hey, all of a sudden we have a quarterback who can take us towards winning games. Not every quarterback is like that. Most quarterbacks are not like that. I think at least one, if not both of those guys can be that for whatever team drafts them. I don't think Nix is that sort of guy. I don't think Penix is that sort of guy, but I would take both of them ahead of Jaden Daniels. What else, you know, final question for you. What else can you tell us about Bo Nix that maybe isn't really, you know, mainstream news, but is well known within, uh, you know, the Oregon community about his play, about his personality, about, you know, whatever. Hmm. Then I don't. I mean, I think he's someone who who is very rooted. I, I he, he He is such a down to earth. He knows who he is. He, you know, he's married, he's not a father, but he's someone who is older in college football and still feels mature beyond his years relative to everything that he's been through. The way he thinks about questions when asked, he's always genuine and polite with with, with the media and everybody. You'll never hear anyone say a bad word against him. Dan Lanning had him babysit his kids. Like that, like that, that's something that took place for the last couple of years is Bo was, was, was a babysitter for the Lanning family. And I think that's a testament to the type of character that he has. And, you know, he's such a nice guy. And if you ever get the chance to meet him or talk to him, he's such a, he's a, he's a really, really nice guy. And he loves football. He really, really loves football. He's very rooted in family and, and his faith and football as well, but you know, I think that sometimes nice guys can come off as, well, you know, does he love, like Trevor Lawrence, for instance, I think faced those sorts of questions. He's such a nice guy. Does he really love football? Bo Nix is a fiery competitor. He wants to win. I think he understands X's and O's as well as any quarterback coming out in this draft. He is really, really sharp. And he's just a really, really good dude who loves to compete. Like this is, this guy at the very least even if he comes in and isn't a starting quarterback and he's backup, I think he's a home run for the locker room no matter where he lands. Spencer, great stuff. I really, you know, learned a lot about Bo Nix. I've been studying some of, you know, the tape and, you know, but it's always good to get a firsthand account of, of, of what a guy is like because that's the stuff you really don't see behind the scenes. So I certainly appreciate you sharing all that information with us. Yeah, you're very welcome. Glad to have come on. Go Ducks. <laughs> All right, folks, he is Spencer McLaughlin. You can find him on the Locked on Ducks podcast. And if it, who knows if the Giants end up uh, drafting another Oregon player, I'm sure hopefully we will be able to have Spencer back on the show. I'm here anytime, anytime. And we appreciate that. All right, Giant fans, that's going to do it for this edition of the Locked on Giants podcast. Keep it here the rest of the week. We're going to hear from Brandon Olson, who is down on the ground at the Senior Bowl. We're going to have Locked on Giants live on Friday night. we got so much more coming up, including more quarterback profiles with our Locked on College hosts. For Spencer McLaughlin, I'm Patricia Trainer. We will see you tomorrow, Giant fans.